Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, Baltimore, and I'm also going to say good evening, good evening, Alabama. Welcome to Man in the Mirror with your host, Hezekiah L. Montgomery, and our fabulous co-host tonight, Michelle. Good evening, Michelle. Good evening, Hezekiah. Happy to be on the show tonight. Excited about our guest. We are all excited about this guest, and I'm going to let her say good evening to everybody. Tonight's show is we have that returning lady that we had on last month. She started off our authors in the know, and now she's back with her fantastic book, Back From Broken. And let's welcome Miss Roshika Henry. Welcome back to the show, Roshika. Thank you, Hezekiah. Thank you, Michelle. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Awesome. Excellent. And we're we're going to start off in prayer before we move on. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just bow down as humble servants, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for lying down, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for waking up to this fabulous and fantastic day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the weather that we had today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, just for man and the mirror, the ministry that you've given us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the people that have been listening. We thank you, Lord, for our guests tonight. Continue to bless her, Lord. Bless her story, Lord. Bless all that she reaches with this story, Lord. We want her to just have, we want her to move this powerful testimony, not just on this part of the world, but wherever, whoever listens to her story in all parts of the world. They might get something out of it, Lord. They may turn their life over to you, and they might be saved, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for Miss Henry and her family and everything you're going to do. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. And tonight is an exciting night, as we, as I said, we have our returning author, Miss Rashika Henry, author of Back from Broken: A Dancer's Journey Back to Wholeness. As an author myself, by reading her book, it truly brought me back, brought back the memories of when I wrote my first book. But tonight, we're going to dig deep into her book and let you ask questions from what you heard. Or if you've read the book, here's if you haven't read the book, here's your chance to get a chance to see what's going on. And I talked to her earlier. We've been texting back, and she's been trying to find out what am I going to ask tonight. Well, being the teacher inside of me, I'm not always going to give the answers. That that would be just too easy. <laughs> and as I said, she was our first guest last month, so it's exciting to me to bring her back. And also, we are actually tweeting. We've been tweeting things out. So if you want to tweet, if you have questions, you can put them on um, 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 Twitter at Kai, K-I-A-M-O-N-T, 415. That's um, Hezekiah. That's our um, Twitter account. So that's Kai, K-I-A-M-O-N-T, 415. And we've been just, you know, getting the news out there. And so, and before we move on, if you have any questions or comments, please press the number one on your phone, and you'll be put in our queue, and the show will be handling the queue. And if you have any questions and you're in our chat room, she will be handling those as well. Now, here's a little something about our guest. Roshika Shante Henry is a native of Georgia and was raised in Alabama. She grew up to... She grew up to love the medical field and spent majority of her medical field and spent a part of her career working at surrounding community hospitals as a phlebotomist, or as I say, those, um, I don't like them, those um, <laughs> blood takers or those vampires, and patient register. She is a proud and devoted member of Word of Truth Ministries, where her father, Pastor L. Cook, is the senior pastor. She is also a certified dance instructor where she leads the dance ministry at her church. She also teaches praise dancing in surrounding churches. Rashika's praise dance ministry has been featured on local television stations. Remember all this because we're going to ask you guys this. And numerous times she has received awards as well as trophies for her profound work in her dance ministry. She is very devoted in kingdom work. God is her driving force. She is the author of Back From Broken, A Dancer's Journey Back to Wholeness, which is the autobiography of her life. She has written a gospel song called Hallelujah, song by an upcoming artist, and can be downloaded on all major online music apps such as iTunes and Google Play. She is also a single mother of three gifted children. Hallelujah. Her passion in life is is to empower women as well as men and children. Her love for mankind has driven her to pursue a path that will inspire others to be all that they can be in life and in Christ. She is an inspirational speaker as well as an advocate for women who are broken. She works closely with her church and local food bank eating the poor. Wow, Rashika, and when did you have time to write a book? 
That's the question. You know, and all this that you're doing, when did you have time to write a book? I had time. Um, God gave us 24 hours a day, and I guess it's about managing time. So when you manage it correctly, which I had some problems with doing, but God has helped me in that area, um, then you find time to write a book, whether it's a chapter here or a chapter there. And God blessed me to get it done from December to now, so that's about six months or so. So it's oh, a little time. Excellent. So I, I guess you put some people to shame because you know people keep saying they want to write a book, but they keep you know keep procrastinating or keep putting it off. And you did an I excellent job. Procrast- I, I was that procrastinator. I did do it for quite some time, but God finally laid it on my heart to get it done. And so it took six months, but I finally got it done by the grace. Amen, amen. That's all I can say. I, I applaud you. And, folks, I give this book, you heard it five stars, but I give her book ten stars because <laughs> when after this interview, you will understand what I am talking about. And so mm-hmm. we're going to go. I'm, I, I broke mine down into chapters. All right, here we go. Chapter one, let the church say amen. Now, I had to think about what she wrote. <laughs> Because it confused me. I it went right by me until I was preparing for this interview. And she titled that chapter, Let the Church Say Amen. And I'm like, wow. So now I want you to tell our listening audience why it was so hard for you to write your book and how you were worried about what others would think. And, you know, I've come across people that, you know, when I talk about writing their book, and how those who would read this will be affected by what it is that I have to say. Will they feel bitter towards me, or will they act as the story never happened or did not take place? Right. Whew. Well, I guess in a nutshell, um, like you said, you worry a lot about what people may think or, or people may say about your story, and it's a lot that people don't know. It's a lot of your life that's not on display. To bring that out is um, you bringing out all the all the hidden stuff in your closet. You bringing it out for people to judge you, to look at you different. And a lot of people we're not familiar with each other's past. We just see each other, you know, as who we are today. So I guess that that title, let the church say Amen, came from um, a background I was raised in a holiness background. And back then, in those days, holiness was um, basically the do's and the don'ts. And um, it's more of looking towards the pastor for the answer. We look to God, but for some reason we put man on a pedestal more than he's deserving of because he's able to fall too, but you don't understand that in in some, some churches until wisdom comes. So I... I think we put a lot of the focus on the pastor, and um, we took our eyes off of God somewhere in the process, and that's where that title came from, in a nutshell. Um, you got to dig deeper than that. you got to tell us more than that. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, I guess to safely say... When you have when you have an establishment 
where we're looking towards man, like I would say. Um, man tends to dictate a lot of things, even in your personal life. Um, that dictatorship turns into resentment. Um, that resentment turns to bitterness, and sometimes it can go as far as hate because you look back and you realize maybe your family could have been a bit farther if it wasn't for um, this particular um, establishment. I won't say holiness because holiness is right. I think is where you where you worship a lot of the time. Um, I think that we get it confused, and we let them ta- we let sometimes them take over, even in our private life. And I think church sometimes become life, but there has a there has to be a balance. There has to be a balance with family. There has to be a balance with church. There has to be a balance with work. It just has to be a balance. When church is taking over everything, then and it's and it's becoming about one man or one man in his family, while the church neglect, then it turns people away from church. You grow up to to resent church. You grow up unbalanced, and that's that's where I'm coming from <laughs> with that chapter. Okay. Um, you ain't finished yet. <laughs> All right. Holiness was the denomination that felt as if they were always right. And I'll read that again. Holiness was a denomination that felt that they were always right. You dare not touch or approach the pastor slash man of God unless he wanted you in his circle. It was fire and brimstone. If you watch a movie with your family and women were Jezebels for wearing makeup or jewelry. Of course. Of course. I think it's self-explanatory, just what you read. We, um, I, I, I don't think, not just holiness, but other denominations, I don't think that the wisdom was there. We didn't know then what we know today. So back then it was the do's, it was the don'ts. It was you can do this, you can't do that. This was a sin, this isn't. Um, you do this, then, you know, the judgment of God is going to fall on you. We learned about the judgment of God. We heard about his love. We knew he was love, but I don't think we really caught hold to how loving he really was towards us. So when you don't um, express the love of God and you misrepresent him in that form, then there you are stuck with this big, bad God who is looking down on you with a magnifying glass, ready to strike you for the first sin you commit. It was to a point where um, I just remember even it got to a point where if I had a bad dream, I would get up and get on my knees and repent because I thought I had sinned. When coming to find out later on in my life, God was actually warning me of things to come, but I didn't know that. I'm thinking it's, it's sin, and I can't believe what happened. Why did I have such a dream? I know this is of the devil. I'm thinking things like that. It was just way too deep, and I and I and I did not fully grasp how much God really loved me and loved us. 
Amen. Amen. Michelle, you have any questions or comments right now? No, I definitely have some for when we get further along. <laughs> okay. But not a problem, not a problem. I did want to say, though, um, I, I definitely I feel what you're saying in reference to, and, you know, I know there's like this big um, stigma that's kind of put on, on holiness churches because of a lot of the do's and don'ts and things like that. But um, I know it's not necessarily just holiness churches, but... You know, these things, I, I almost feel like, you know, they, they take your attention away from, you know, where it should be, that you spend so much time. So I, I was really, that's I was just kind of listening into what you guys were saying. But, yeah, it's almost like you, you spend so much time concentrating on what you should and shouldn't do and trying to make sure that you're okay you know that you right. don't you don't you're not building a relationship with God and uh what you were saying in reference to it's almost like a um I was trying to think of the right word but almost like a, a condemning of anything that goes against that that you feel that from God instead of that love and that peace and joy right. you know that you should be feeling so I feel like that that was a really good point, you know, for for you to bring out because a lot of people get into that and they get into the business of being religious instead, of, yeah, instead of the business of, of of God and being having a relationship with God. So I just thank you for your take on that. Oh yes, ma'am. All right, excellent. You're listening live with. Man in the Mirror with Hezekiah L. Montgomery and Michelle Johnson with our fantastic guest tonight, Ms. Roshika Henry, author of Back from Broken, A Dancer's Journey Back to Wholeness. You can call in at 917-889-2271 or log in to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash man dash in dash the mirror. And here is um, here's a final question for that chapter. Tell us about when you were talking about your father as the master builder and how, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I told you it was going to be tough. But, That's you know, okay. when, you know th- that was a chapter that really got to me because I, I know it's true. It, it hurt me when I read it. But tell us, and we're going to keep it real, tell us that incident about, you know, the church, they wanted to build a million-dollar edifice, as we would say, and they knew your father was a master builder, but they did something that churches still do today. They took advantage of the situation, in the name of Jesus, as they would say. (laughs) Of course. Oh, wow. Um, That that is something that... um, that that really touches me and it and it still touches me. Um I just remember that when it came down to the money part, well my dad um his heart is big and it's God is first and foremost. So whatever God is impressing upon him, that's just what he's going to do. That's since the beginning of, that I've known him. 
and he ended up um, letting go um, of his job because he wanted to do the work of God. And we were moving out of a very old building into, um, they were building a new building. And this new building, it was, I remember one of the biggest, most beautiful churches in our area that I had that I had seen. And I remember that um, during this process, the brothers would get together, um, especially on Sundays, and they would just build on this church and build on this church. And my dad was going there all week. And I remember that there were a lot of hard times. And I remember on Saturdays uh, we, we would have long services, but at the end of the long services, then, of course, came the money part. And the different offerings that we would we would take up some of the offerings I didn't even name in the book, but it would just be different offerings. <laughs> and as a little girl, as a little girl, I I I I promise you, I would hold my breath as long as I can. I would let it go, and then I hold my breath again because I knew the very last offering was that hundred dollars for my family. I knew they was going to call my dad up. I knew the church was tired, had been there all day, and I knew that when they went home, they was talking about it. And I knew that I had friends. And you got to keep in mind, I was very young. So this is immaturity going through my mind. I'm thinking about myself. Oh, my gosh, they're going to talk about us. And sure enough, that time would come after the five, six offerings. My dad would have to stand before the church and beg. We, I remember the pastor begging, begging, begging for a dollar bills or somebody to give this hundred dollars. And I remember it was like pulling teeth and nail because the people had already given and emptied out most of the time. And I remember at some point they would get it. And what touched me even more than that was off of this $100, he never failed to pay offering in his tithing. And if they needed something else, he was always one of the first ones to even give that. And that is something that kind of resonated with me until this very day, even talking about it now. It's just, it brings an emotion. That emotion used to be bitterness. But now that emotion is, is even though it's humiliating for him more so than us, it's it still taught a very valuable lesson. Um, out of that lesson, I've learned that even in being humiliated or ridiculed or whatever, whatever, you can still turn it back and give the glory and the honor back to God. You're talking about a hundred dollars a week. You're talking about three children and a husband and wife. That's five, a family of five. And you're talking about being dedicated in your giving as well as building to the church. So what did that leave us with? I have no idea. But I remember <laughs> there was a time every Saturday we would go to Church's Chicken, and then we would do that for weeks and weeks at a time because that's what he could afford. And then another week, um, and weeks and weeks at a time, we'll do hamburgers. It That's just what it was. But now I'm looking at it like no matter what, 
being dedicated to God is rewarding because not only did God give that all back to him, but his children, his grandchildren are now reaping those benefits because man may have been using him, and it was dead wrong, but God looked at, at the continents of your heart. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it to please man, or you are are you doing this to please me, even though you're going through, even though you're being humiliated? All right. So there you had right. that. All right, I'm gonna dig a little deeper for that. Like okay. I said, that, that that hurt me a little bit. But now we're talking about a man that he was approached to build this church because he's a master builder. He left his job. I don't know how many people would do that today. You know, I'm just saying. But he left his job right. to follow what the pastor wanted him to do. And as a family man, as you said, with three kids, there was a time and um, that you you guys went without nine months with no electricity. Yes, we did. But your father was still doing what he was supposed to do. Yes, for he the was. church. Yes, building the church for the church. But they yes. had no sympathy on him or no. no on the family. A man with three kids no. and a wife. But they, you know, for some odd reason, you know, and as I'm going somewhere with this later on in the interview, some odd reason they let that happen. And, right. you know, give give us just, you know, what was going on in your mind at, within those nine months? Resent, resentment. Um, I would fight well, I, what any normal person, I guess, would fight. I was too young to understand what was going on. All I know is I saw everybody else had, and I didn't. So as a child, of course, the selfishness um, kick in. You don't think about the entire family's going in. You think about what you're going through. And I just faced resentment, resentment with the church, um, how I looked at, you know, how they had especially the families, they had it. We we didn't have it. Um, I fought resentment because I thought at the moment that we're the poorest family in here. But yet my dad is the most hardworking, most dedicated one in here. Um, I got angry at him at times because I'm like, you know, let's just leave here. Why don't we just leave? They don't love us. And then that would soften and then I'd get mad at the pastor. I just felt a lot of anger, and that was a lot that built up within me. It took years and years and years to get rid of. But it was I was hurt. I was I was extremely hurt. There was I don't know any other way to put it, but that hurt turned to I don't like you, and I definitely don't want to be in your church. I think you use and misuse people. And you don't care about the family establishment, which I knew then that God preordained from the beginning of time. I just thought that God cared a lot about family. And in this church, it just didn't seem like they cared about family. Well, I would say the head or leaders cared a lot about family. I think, you know, that bothered me the most. You know, you can't imagine going without lights for nine months when we're living in a time where there are lights. You know, it's really hard, but it had to be harder on on my parents than it was me. You know, so there you wow. have that. And I, yeah. That really threw me off when I read that. I had to do a double take. It's like, really? You know, because, you know, 
again, when you're doing the work of God, I'm not, I know deep down that that's not what God would have wanted to be, how it should have been done. Because if we're doing God's work, I'm sure he doesn't want us born without, especially when you get a man that had a good job, making good money, and then this happened. You know, yeah, then, you know, they you decide, know. hey, we're not going to pay him a salary, because I'm thinking they should just pay him a salary, at least that way he's not still take care of his family. But yeah, um, man, anyway, you know, you're listening. I'm going to say this. You, it, took, it definitely took a partnership because while, <laughs> while that was going on, my mom was definitely making the best of it. You're talking about a woman that didn't complain. I never once heard her complain. So it took the love of God. It took family, even though I felt like the church was against family. Some kind of way God helped bless our family to stay together and to make it. So... I, I think all of that played played a part in in what's going on today. Amen. Amen. Any questions? Um, any comments, Michelle? I actually, I, I just wanted to say, you know, through through um, many chapters in the book, I guess there's this this uh, theme of. Um, I want to use the right word, but there's this on this ongoing theme of things coming to you, and and I'm sure that other people have gone through some of these things, but I don't know if you felt like, or maybe you can tell me if you felt like that these these bad encounters with. I guess men or men in authority or whatever, but do you feel like that was something that just seemed to come to you quite often, or do you feel like this happens to people and they just don't say anything um, as as much as the things were happening? Because I was, I was just reading, and I'm like, gosh, you know, right. by, by Chapter 5, it was just ridiculous. Like, I'm <laughs> like, yes. oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> You know, so I'm like, yeah. okay, so I feel like this is almost like an attack of the enemy using this particular way or means, but mm-hmm. I, I was interested in the, what you were feeling or thinking, and I, and when you guys were talking about, you know, the, the church and the pastor, I feel like it really started with him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's, that's kind of how you were feeling, but I, I just wondered what, you know, what you were thinking as you were going through those things. Michelle, I, it was um, literally, I can I can honestly, truly say, um, at a certain time you, you reach an age where you have to take accountability for yourself and your actions. But I know without a shadow of a doubt the root cause of so many things that I went through and bad decision-making and encountering um, guys that you just you just had no idea that they had evil thinking going on was my lack of um, experimenting. And when I say that, I'm not talking about in the world. I'm just saying living in a, a closed box. As far as the uh-huh. church is concerned, it was homeschool church, homeschool church. I had no idea what the world was even about. 
So at a certain time that freedom comes and you want freedom and you'll try to break out of that box, not realizing that, yeah, you you asking for this, but you asking for something that you have no idea that you, you're about to encounter. So when you break out the box, you attack the even meaner world. And you thought what you was living in was mean until you don't have a box anymore and all these people are, are are attacking you or or you're making these bad decisions, these bad choices, or you don't see people for who they are because you really don't know who anybody is. You you don't even know who you are. So how in the world I can look and, and see who who's who has no good towards me? I had I and, and that's what happened. That was the root of it. Um not making any decisions. And then going to making basically all the decisions, and it was just a constant downward spiral from the day that I decided to um, get married to try to get away from the situation. It went downhill from that. There were some good moments as far as my kids coming along, but a lot of bad choices and decisions, and and me being the victim at that time, which seemed like it was a lot of times. All of that was coming from me trying to swim in the ocean when I had no business out there. I needed to sit down and seek wisdom and guidance about how in the world do I survive out here. A lot of my friends had the upper hand in that area. But when you take a child that um, is rooted and grounded in religion, and that's all they know, that that child tries to break loose from that. And a lot of testimonies that I get from kids that I grew up with, even this week, and especially since this book was written, how do we get up? Because we're still sinking from what we've been through when we was children. And it just breaks my heart because I realize God... It may have been a long road, but you have helped me to 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 overcome this. When I realized that they still trying to overcome, so that's that attack on me. I felt like the devil was trying to get me. He knew I had a lot of mm-hmm. bitterness in my heart. This is a perfect time to try to take her out. Unforgiving heart, and I think he was trying to get me before I realized and before God opened my eyes to me having to forgive, and then I was able to move on. And that that actually brings me to another question. So as Kyle get on me and tell me if we have to wait until <laughs> um, so after the break for you to answer it, but I wanted to kind of get it out there before we go to break. Look, he's ready. I hear him. <laughs> <laughs> ready to cut me off, but but no, I just really wanted to say, you know, piggybacking on what you just said, um, is two things that came to mind. One, I really wanted to know if you had some thoughts on uh, how the how the church should really be approaching children as they're getting older. Like I know some churches have children church and they have special lessons for the children. They have youth ministry and different okay. things like that. And I was wondering, like, if, if you know, the church that you were involved in hit something like that where they start tackling these issues mm-hmm. that we start. We, <laughs> okay. The church that I grew up in? 
You want to know that the church that I grew up in have something like yeah, that? Yeah, yes. You oh, know, as Lord. you're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it like this. My mom was the, and, and my mom and the previous first lady at the time, those two and a few others, but those two right there, when when I said they had a heart for the children, the children flocked toward them. And every time they would put their all into it and dedicate themselves to us, it would always be a drawback. You know, everything had to go through the pastor, and that's just code of conduct. That's right. But it shouldn't be a no all the time because then you begin to feel like, well, what's the point? I'm going to tell you. There were kids in that church that was going through like I was. We weren't the only family. And I can remember a particular time where it was a few troubled girls, but this one troubled girl, she had um, gotten a new stepfather and she didn't know how to deal with it. But my, she was hard and bitter and just ugly, just nasty. But my mom and the first lady at the time, they just kept going at her. Nothing but love. And I'll never forget, she came to our Sabbath school, and it had broke. She just broke, and that to see that shell fall off of her and to see the beautiful inside of her, it amazed me, and it made me realize, you know, I wasn't the only child going through. It was so many of us going through. And I believe that if he had got behind our youth leaders, we could have... Mm-hmm made it so beautiful, but they was always held down. And when you always held down, it, it, it was a sense of discouragement. And so they got discouraged. And the Sunday school just basically faded away. And those kids wow. got back out there into the world. So the kids that were hard to pull in, once they were pulled in, it's like, okay, now we're quitting. Now the things that pulled us in, now the old things are we can't do them anymore. So they got discouraged again, and they and they still not in church to this day. So no. Yes, and so, no. Yeah, because I and I hear what you're saying. So I think that what you just said was a definitely really good, a definite good point for those in our listening audience and also for anyone who's listening on the replay because uh, there are churches that are like that today. This this was years ago, but there are churches that are like that today and that they, you know, kind of um, pigeonhole the, the youth ministry as to what, you know, what they're allowed to do with the kids. And I think that there needs to be, and I'm going to say this is just my personal opinion, but I, I think that there needs to be a balance of um, learning what's in the Word of God, learning the Word right. of God and learning how to have right. a relationship with God, knowing that you can pray pray right. to him for yourself and knowing right. that he is your father just like he's my father and everybody's father that God, you know, is is reachable. Right. For everybody, no matter the age. And then also that there is, you know, a balance that you have to strike with teaching them about the things in the world right. that they're going to come up against. So, mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of church churches are missing that mark 
been missing that mark. And so I, I think that that was just a really good point. I want to make sure that folk heard that. Right, <laughs> but, right. Okay, okay Hezekiah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. I'll deal with you later, lady, lady. But um, oh not a problem. We're going to have a few notes from our sponsors. And I'm actually going to do our first sponsor, which is uh, Leroy McKenzie, Jr., President and CEO of JNF Enterprises. Giving the best business consulting services, let us show you how to grow your brand. We offer marketing plans, strategies for entrepreneurs and authors. Business Sales Development, Entrepreneur Kits for Aspiring Business Owners, Seasonal Entrepreneurs Looking to Expand Your Brand. Call for your initial consultation today at 443-762-2324. And, and I will give a shout-out to Mr. Leroy McKenzie, Jr., because JNF Enterprises, I told him earlier on Facebook, they did an excellent job. And what she will also say, so they, did a, they are the ones who published yeah. her book. And yes. to me, they did an excellent job. I am deeply yes. impressed. So give kudos out to them. Also, I want to give a shout-out for Bel Air Edison um, Education and Wellness Fair, which will be held on Saturday, August 13, 2016, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Rain date will be Saturday, August 20th. Air Edison Family Health Center parking lot, 3120 Erdman Avenue, Baltimore, Maryland, 21213. Come join us for an afternoon of fun, screenings, and more. They will be have backpacks and giveaways, health screenings, resource and information, kids' activities, music, and food, and it's free admission. Music instruction for our learners where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, please contact us at 888-501-8650, extension 778 to set up an appointment to talk to our instructors. And uh, another sponsor is Kirby Boss Project. Kirby Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change the lives of full-figured women Curry chicks are boss chicks, too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on Facebook at Curry Boss Project and their website at www.curryboss.com. And we will take a, a minute break, a few minutes. You know, here, here there's one song, and it's a beautiful song, because it, it came to me at the beginning of this week, and I think it goes with our testimony today. Tell your heart. To beat again. Shattered like you've never been before. The life you knew in a thousand pieces on the floor. Words fall short in times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Stand 
Live with Man in the Mirror with your host Hezekiah L. Montgomery and co-host Michelle Johnson. We are live with a return interview with Roshika Henry, author of Back from Broken, a dancer's journey back to wholeness, and we are just loving it. If you have any questions or comments, please call in at 917-889-2271. Press the number one on your phone. And um, I'm going to actually, time is winding down, but we can we can still go over a little over. Time is winding down, but we are enjoying this interview with Roshika. Um, we've been tweeting. Uh, you know, I haven't seen anything come up in the tweets lately, but, you know, you can tweet us at uh, K-I-A-M-O-N-T-415 at KaiMunt415 um, on Twitter. And, you know, we're just going to continue with this interview. Again, call, um, if you're on in our, on the line and you want to press number one on your phone, if you have anyone, uh, press the number one on your phone, and um, you can ask um, Roshika a question if you'd like. And I have one more question, and then I'm going to actually see if there's anybody 
on there and let you know give a couple minutes to Michelle to see if there's anybody that would like to ask Miss Henry a question. And I did say earlier, and I did in the event page, whoever would be the first one who would log in to um, the show, they would receive a free copy of her book. And um, But I'll take care of that right after this one question because I want to actually see if we can get a couple more questions in before the close of this today's show because it's been an excellent show. And um, a little bit, I'm going to actually move on. We went over Chapter 1. I'm going to go down, let's go down to Chapter 4, The Prodigal Daughter. And actually, you talked a little bit about this. But my question for you now is my statement is, we hit it off and I fell for him because I thought that he could be my way out. After just a month of dating, we got married. Wow, sounds familiar, but... All right, Miss Henry, help us out with that. I suppose that you're interested in the way out part. <laughs> um, is, is I'm interested in both. Said. After a month of dating, you just said, hey, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how was I? I was 18 years old. I believe I was 18. So um, at that time, I had already been through some things. Um, and in that going through, the the funny, the flip side to that is, I had already been through some things, but there were some things that that some menses, especially within my family, that had happened, and we were just it it was it was getting better for us. It was better for us, but. My problem, my my honest problem was I was still um, having to face things in in the church, and I and I really hate to keep talking about the church, but that's just where to me at the time the, pro- the problem lied, and I wanted to get away from it. I didn't necessarily want to get away from my family, but I wanted to I wanted to explore new things. And when I say the church, I just wanted to live. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. I wanted to breathe. I wanted to breathe more than church. I wanted to breathe more than school, and I definitely want to breathe more than home. And then I had an adventurous soul anyway. And I like I like to to go. I like to explore God's green earth. I I love it. And when you got that kind of spirit, you do. You want to go. And so here's this, this guy out west coming here. Um, my pastor new wife, it happens to be, it was her brother. And so he actually came to be in his sister's wedding. And that's the day that we met. And a month later, we were married, which is the father of my two children, my first two children. And when, at first, um, the interest was mediocre. But then it hit me that this is your ticket. And when that hit my mind, that's when I uh, quit pushing them off at first, and I began to embrace this because I honestly saw us leaving and me learning and, and new things and just getting away and just breathing. Um, so he was my way out. Mm. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. That's just wow, 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 wow. That makes a person and that makes a person really think, you know. But yeah. you know, you were eighteen, you were young, so you know, and you were trying to get away. You know, you thought that was a good thing to do. Right. But you know, you know, these are lessons that we learn in life. You know, because we've all been there, all done that. We've all done something like, "Ooh, this looks good." But all that looks good, what they say, all that looks good is not gold. Absolutely. All right, and that goes to um, as we're um, winding down. I have one more question um, as we're winding down. Let's back up because you did mention this already. Um, things that happen in the church cripple, you know, cripple. I'll back up the chapter two. Crippled by religion, and there was something that devastated a lot of people in the church, and that was the first lady and pastor getting a divorce, which we don't hear quite often in the church. But, you know, just tell the listening audience what was going on at that time. And you did mention also that, you know, she was one of the ones that the kids, like, were drawn to. Yes. She puts a smile on my face. Um, She was just everything that you would probably think a first lady should be. That's, That's what she was. I can't, I don't know the details of what happened. I just know that. Um, there was a, a Sabbath school, and I keep trying to call it Sunday school. There was a Sabbath school that she came, and she she sat us down. And when she did, it was as as usual. But this time when she sat us down, I looked at her face, and I just knew something was wrong. And I just, I, I didn't, I knew I didn't want to hear what she had to say, but I just didn't know it, know it. So when she all she she said I need to tell you all something and I want to be the first one to tell you all because I don't want y'all to hear it no other way. So we sitting there teenagers wondering what is going on, and she told us that um, she was getting divorced. Her and my pastor was getting divorced, and I don't know if I ever even knew of divorce. I don't think I really knew what that was until she um, explained it to us. Because before then, like I said, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't remember anybody getting a divorce. So, of course, it, it just broke our hearts. Um, we were teenagers, so she didn't go into the details of what had happened. We just knew that she said she was moving, and that was the devastating part for, for us at that time. We're not going to see her. You know, um, we had to we had to deal with that. Um, oh, <laughs> it was it was it was a time. It was definitely a mm-hmm. time, a, a dark time right then. Um, but I guess now we see that this this happens more often than what we think. We just didn't know. That was my first time at. Um, feeling close to somebody that was actually getting a divorce. But she <laughs> she's she's happy. She's very happy and um God knew what he was doing. Okay. God knew what he was doing. Do you have any comments, Michelle? No, not on that part. Okay. I will let you take over from here because I see we have somebody 
um, actually in the queue that wants like to ask a, a question. A couple of somebody's, I, I believe. <laughs> take the one ending in zero. Take the second one, not the first one. I'll, I'll talk to the first one before she, she comes on. Oh, that's something special I don't know about. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we have a caller that looks like they want to make a comment or ask a question of our guest. So caller ending in number 0575. Again, caller ending in number 0575. You are live on Man in the Mirror with Oshika Henry. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, um, welcome. Hi. Um, I was um, listening in on the interview and found some things to be very heartbreaking um, as well as inspiring. But I, my question is a three-part question, if I could ask. Um, the first part was I wanted to know personally from the author, what was the hardest part about writing um, your book, you know, a book about your life that the whole world you know, is is your your life is now an open book to the whole world, and I, I would like to know what was the hardest part about writing your book, and then I would like to know um, second part to that was what was the best part about writing your book? Like, what do you hope that readers can get out of your book? And then the third part is is there anything that you would like to say to your readers or your fans? Wow, that's a great question or questions. Um. The first part, I believe, was what was the hardest part about writing my, my book. The hardest part about writing my book was putting my life on forefront. Um, mm-hmm. The hardest part is you already know that you have the vultures just waiting to tackle your every um, crevice, that every skeleton, and, and, and you're actually giving it to them now. But you're giving it to them and and because you 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 want to help so many more others, and then on top of that, you got to think about this. You got to think about it's a book about me and my story. You got to think about a lot of times as teenagers and and growing up, we don't tell our parents what we feel about situations. So everything that I've written, I actually let them read the book first before it was even published because I wanted them to see it what I was going through. And then you have to think about, you know, all of this made me. It made me and my sisters who we are. But you got to think, if I was a parent, and I am a parent, and I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm doing it, in, in, you know, out of love, and then you grow up, and you know how sometimes it can, it can hurt you because you just didn't know back then. or I didn't want to do that to them. They've been through enough of that, and then they've been through enough of me making these decisions. So I wanted mm. them to come through that, and then I, if they could come through it, then I didn't care what anybody else said. It, it just didn't matter anymore. My ultimate goal was to help someone, not put anybody on display, not talk about church in a negative, negative light, even though this is just my testimony. But I wanted to... to Get past that. That's why I addressed the book and saying, why is it so hard for me to write about my life, fearing what everybody's going to think? Um, the second question, the best part about writing my story, the best part about writing my story is what's going on every single day right now. 
and that's the testimony of men and women that are thanking me and thanking God that somebody's actually talking about it. Because I found out that this goes on in so many churches and more than one denomination until it's unreal. I just didn't know it. I didn't know my testimony was going to cause other people to open about about open up about personal things that they've been through and been holding for years. And hearing them speak on, I got to forgive, which was the gist of my book. You have to forgive. You can't hold these things. That is the, every time I hear that, I say, thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful that he allowed me to write this, allowed me to get over my own self. Um, you know, it just was, it is what it is, you know, um, a lot of God's people, we were destroyed by, he said we'll be destroyed by lack of knowledge or lack of understanding, and that's what was going on. If everybody's quiet, nobody's been a testimony that, hey, you can get through this, and that's what, that's what happened. And one person's testimony is resonating, and it's causing people to talk again, and it's causing people to say, you know what, I thought I forgave, but I realize I haven't forgiven but I got to go back and I got to try to get this right. I want to get it right. If you can do it, I can do it. And to hear people twice your age, three times your age, tell you those things, it's a humbling experience. And you can only thank God and say, God, thank you, because I was able to look past myself and, and what people think of me and to be able to reach out to somebody else by your grace. And number three, is there anything... Um, that I would like to tell my readers and fans, I would say my readers, no matter what you've been through, you have to forgive. No matter what it looks like and no matter how hard it is, the ultimate, the ultimate lesson that you have to learn is forgiveness because that's the only way God's going to forgive us. Right. When we stand before him, He's not going to look at what they did to you. He's going to look at how you reacted and did you forgive because I forgave your kind for killing my son. I, for, I, I forgave all of that. And, and he rose again so you can forgive, so you can come to me. So if you're not able to forgive, then I, I don't. I think it's really sad, and I know it's hard. It took me years and years and years to forgive. It's easy to say it with your mouth. It's a whole other thing to forgive from your spirit and from your heart. So to my readers, the whole purpose of my book and my testimony was I was able to write about it once I truly forgave. And because I truly forgave, I wrote the book from a different spirit than what I would have written from written it from years ago, a spirit of malice and bitterness and just get back at people. But this right here, I wrote it from a learn from me um, and don't go down that road or have compassion. So that's to answer your question. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, caller, for calling in and speaking with our guests. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, don't worry about the one ending in 9368. Um, 
Um, <laughs> she and I know who that one was. <laughs> you don't worry about okay. that one. But caller <laughs> ending in 0541. Um, um, Roshika, do you have – I have one more, and I'm going to let you explain this one while I talk it to that caller ending in 1541. I'm going to do a sidebar because – I want them to, they are the ones who actually logged in first, so they actually want a free copy of your book. But give okay. us just a couple minutes of, um, since it was a dancer's journey, we've got to figure out how you became that dancer. So here's the question for you. Your sister asked you to put a dance group together. Explain. <laughs> um, I literally walked into my destiny without even realizing what part of my destiny, just part of it, the road to my destiny, without even realizing. And that was um, my dad was having his pastor's anniversary, and we have never done praise dance in the history of praise dance. I didn't know what it it was, really. And my sister um, had asked me, she said, you know, I I was thinking for his anniversary we could do something different. We can actually do a praise dance to take me to the king. I was on board. And then she turned around and she, she said, Why don't you head it up? And I said, You crazy. I don't <laughs> you really crazy. I don't I don't dance. <laughs> why, wow. why why in the world would she ask me this? So I I continued to mark and I let her go. And we had our little little words and I was like, Well, okay, whatever, I'm not doing it. So, um, I thought about it when I walked away, and I believe a few hours later, it just kept impressing on me, you know what, this may not be such a bad idea, and I took the challenge. I brought it before the girls at church. Everybody was on it. There was about 13 of us. Everybody was ready. Let's do it. And... We went from not knowing what we were doing under, under the leadership of someone that didn't know what they were doing to actually making it happen. And when I saw all that hard work come together, it stirred something in me that I didn't know I had, and that was to lead a dance group. And we've been on it every every since, and it's been three years ago. And from then, I studied dance, um, took lessons, obtained certificates and put a lot of hours into dancing and, and praise dancing and, and having conferences. Um, we had one of the largest praise dance instructors in our country, and that's Jocelyn Richards. She came to our church. We hosted a conference, and God just helped me in that area, and it grew. It had nothing to do with me. It was literally all him. He gave me the knowledge and the wisdom in a short amount of time, and we were actually ministering, and that's how we started. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask, like, I guess what do you, or how do you feel like that moved from God because it was totally outside of you because, like you said, you wasn't even thinking about it. No, I was not. <laughs> but but how do you feel at this point that that move of God has blessed you? Um, I guess like in your your uh, spiritual life. Yes. And and that also in. Mhm. Absolutely. That that was the very 
that was the beginning of me having to find myself and being forced to acknowledge what was going on inside. Because like I said, dancing is a ministry. And whether or not people understand it, it's a ministry that is is totally different. You're up there and you're ministering song through body movement. And it was it became emotional. And then you have you you begin to witness other people under you what it's doing to their lives. I had people that was in the streets, and instead of going to the streets when they was in trouble and and dan- um, smoking or whatever they was doing, the testimony was instead of going out there and hanging with my friends. When I got discouraged, I just was in my living room and I was praise dancing. I was practicing. So that's when I'm like, okay, something's going on that's bigger than mm. me. And then God wow. started dealing with me, and he started giving me moves to different songs. And he he was messing with my head. <laughs> that's what he was doing. <laughs> and when every time he would do that and these things, these dances come together, I, I look back, and I'm like, God, you literally did that. You put this together. I can't even take no credit for it. You know, the hard work, and it was just, it was all God. It was different girls, different attitudes, different emotions that I was dealing with. All of that helped me right now. When I tell you about this dance group, all glory literally goes to God because, like I said, I was so inexperienced. I didn't know nothing about dancing. But what he was doing in their lives encouraged me. And then if I'm telling them and trying to encourage them, I had to make sure I'm telling them from the goodness of my heart, not from a, a bitter part of my heart, because they told me some of them, some of them, some, I'm sorry, some of them told me secrets that I'm gonna die with, and 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 to hear some some of these things that was coming at me, I said, God, I really want to be a help. I don't want to poison them. So then He started dealing with me about, okay. You still have unforgiveness. You're telling them that they got to forgive, but you still got to forgive. And I just began to pull it off. And what I really found out and how I really got help was I quit pointing fingers at what they did. And I started taking the blame for every single thing that I did or had a part in or how could I help change it if there was room. Some stuff that you couldn't help, you just couldn't. But I did find out at a certain age it was more that I could help than what I couldn't help. And I just took my history and I used that for an excuse to do what I wanted to do. So once I asked for forgiveness for that and then asked for forgiveness for the um asked for forgiveness for so many choices in my life, that's when God little by little started, you know, causing me to Walk, and as you can walk, I don't know if you can get the picture, but the more you walk, the more stuff fall off you. Mm-hmm. That's what was happening. Wow, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We definitely appreciate that. Now, you know what? I love your family. I got, you know, who that caller, the first caller who was in, <laughs> you know who that was, don't you? You called his number. I that was Pastor John Cook. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, man. That's Pastor Cook. 
<laughs> and then the her other one was your daughter. I'm like, okay, this is a super family. I love your family because they were just calling in, making sure, yeah, we in there supporting mom and dad said, I'm going to support her. I, I love it. So, but guess what? I found out, I'm watching a timer, found out who actually has been on, and it's the caller ending, you know, ending in 3219. You know, he was the one that um, won the book. And I don't know if he wants to come on, but that's my brother. He's actually listening and supporting me tonight. So <laughs> he will definitely, you know, he'll definitely okay. enjoy that book, you know, then I can get mine back, you know. You know, <laughs> he's been reading okay. it, so I get mine back, but I ain't going to say, you know, but he definitely got a heat up. He won the book, you know, back from Broken, you know. So it's good to have family supporting family. That's what we want to do. That's family supporting family. So that's that's a good thing. But um, we, we, I had a fabulous time tonight. Do you have any closing remarks, um, um, Rashika? Well, I am thankful for this opportunity um, to get this book out. But I just want to say that through everything that we talked about. I know some of it seemed a little bit melancholy and depressing, but I'm going to tell you this. It all ended on a good note. God was able to take everything and and, and put it into to motion. It's a divine purpose. So sometimes telling our stories may be a little melancholy, but I promise you there's an upbeat to it, and we don't have enough time to get to all the upbeat but I am a saved, sanctified, God-loving, and God-fearing woman, and I am extremely blessed to have my parents, my children, my 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 relatives, my supportive relatives. I'm beyond blessed, and I am more happier today than I've been in my entire life, and I give all that glory and all that credit to Jesus Christ. So be encouraged, no matter what it looks like, God has a plan for you. Amen. Any closing remarks, Michelle? I just wanted to remind uh, all of our listeners online, on the MEQ, Um, those who have been sharing the uh, interview. We just thank you all. We appreciate you all. And uh, there are definitely some links. So check the event page because there are definitely some links in there uh, that you should look at, listen to, links to Roshika's book. There's also links to uh, her dance, YouTube videos of her dance ministry. So just, you know, take a look at at the uh, Facebook event page and be blessed. And, Roshika, we just really thank you. You, you know, your story is uh, it, it's rough. You know, it was a lot going on with you. But, you know, it is like some other people, a lot of other people. People are not talking about all these things, things that they've been through. But we thank you for the strength and uh the uh, anointing that God has given you to release this in your book, to tell your story, to give your testimony, and uh, even thank you for just being a vessel for him to use in your dance ministry. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. And I, it will behoove me um, to remember that this was number show number 99. So we are moving up on Man in America next week. I want all of you guys to tune in. We will be at episode number 100. That's 100 yeah. episodes for Man in the Mirror. So that's a yay. Let's get everybody clap because we're, we're so excited. We want everybody to call in, have some fun, and just share some share some sob stories and share some new stories. And, um, oh, it just left me. Oh, yeah. And Uh-oh. as we're closing, uh, closing marks, I'd like to thank all of you who have been listening in, especially Pastor John, uh, Pastor John Cook, because he surprised me. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it's always good to have family re- um, listening in and talking to our guests. Roshika, Roshika Henry has a heart for God and praise and a heart for his people. She didn't let what happened stop her from doing what God wanted her to do. As always, and she's already, because this is the second time on our show, she's um, a part of the Man and Mara family. If you have any more questions um, you know, or comments, you know, please go to the event page. And Roshika, please, as we're about to depart, please leave. Um, our listening audience with your contact information, how they can get your book. Sure. You can order my book from www.jnfenterprises.com, and you can also contact me at backfrombroken1 at gmail.com, and you can reach out to me on my social websites. It's backfrombroken at Facebook and backfrombroken1 at Twitter. And, again, I thank all of you who have been listening. We definitely thank you all for the listening. We're going to end with a beautiful song, her first song as she danced to, Take Me to the King. This has been <laughs> Hezekiah L. Montgomery signing off from Man in the Mirror. And, as always, we'll see you at the Mirror. <laughs> Take me to the king.
my heart. 